right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sober Sit Down. I'm your host, Scotty Stutch. With me today is my good friend, Todd Evans. Todd was a local musician. He's a friend of mine, and uh, we did some business together back in the day when I was back in the bar scene. Uh, Todd is a beer sales rep for a local distribution center, and um, at nighttime, he used to be in a local live band, um, one of the more popular ones of our area, and went up and down the East Coast, 80s cover rock band. Uh, today we we uh, got into collaboration for Mental Health Awareness Month, and we pl I plan on doing more of these segments after this for mental health awareness because there's not enough of it broadcasted, and I think a lot of people's addictions stem from having mental health undiagnosed mental health disabilities. So I'm gonna let Todd um, have the floor and talk a little bit about his story and. Uh, work together with him and uh, hopefully reach a audience to uh, people that are out there struggling. Yeah, so thanks for having me. Um, this is something that I really wanted to, uh, you know, get with you together and, uh, and discuss. It's a problem that I think a lot of people are dealing with, but nobody seems to want to talk about it. Um, going back on my story, I, I've always known that I've had anxiety issues and, uh, you know, from childhood. Um, it was apparent. I mean, I <laughs> I always seemed to worry about everything. That was uh, one of my one of my biggest traits. And um, as I got older, it never went away. Um, but basically, what happened with me um, was last year around this time frame it was like October, November. I started having some weird, just weird physical symptoms, almost like a tingling through my body. At first, it felt like ginger ale in my skull. Are you all right? I gotta go. What's the matter? Nothing. Just, um... I feel hot. Mm. <sighs> you okay? Yeah. <sighs> go on, go on, go on, go on with what you were saying. Are you having an attack now? No, no. I had a huge lunch, that's all. It's, it's gas. What is it, Anthony? Um, my lower extremities. And, um, of course, you know, I went to the doctor. I had all kind of tests done and blood tests and uh, just, you know, I ran the gamut of tests and everything seemed to be coming back okay, but I was still having those symptoms. So as a person that has anxiety and worry, you tend to uh, over-exaggerate things. And I ended up, uh, you know, going on Google and checking all my symptoms and, you know, thinking I was dying. And uh, I ran the gamut from Lyme's disease to, you know, to MS to ALS and, uh, you know, didn't, didn't have any kind of uh, answers. And um, I literally sunk myself into this deep hole, which I've never experienced in my life. I said, I've always had anxiety issues and I've always, you know, uh, realized I had issues with, with that as well, but I never really had the depression part of the mental health issue. Um, I know, you know, my family, uh, family history, there's some, uh, some family history on my, on my mom, with my mom that uh, growing up that I saw her struggle with it. And, um, but uh, I never got into that situation where I was put into that dark place. And I have to admit that um, after, you know, thinking that I was dying and putting myself in, you know, basically with all these symptoms, thinking that worst case scenario, I fell into this huge depression, and uh, I literally got to the point where uh, I didn't want to get out of bed. I, I don't know, Tony. It's like just the fucking regularness of life is too fucking hard for me or something. I don't, I don't know. Look at you. I bet you're sleeping all the time, right? It's the only thing I still enjoy. You know what I think? Maybe I have cancer. Remember how Jackie got? Cancer. Something fucking horrible is going on inside my body. There's a physical change or something. Does this word cancer pop into your mind a lot? A little bit? What? Huh? Well, I'm just thinking maybe you're depressed. Me? I was isolating myself from my family, my kids, my friends, my work. 
Um, and uh, it, it was horrible. And I got to the point where, you know, I'm, I'm sad to admit this, but uh, that I was actually on the verge of committing suicide. And um, uh, thankfully, um, realizing that I had an issue, uh, dealing with it with my friends, my family, a uh, couple therapists that I've uh, have helped me tremendously. Are you still taking the lithium? Lithium, Prozac. When's it gonna end? We're trying to give a jolt to your system. Give it a a, a little kickstart. Why don't you kick me in the fucking head? What you're going through is very painful. I know that. You get stabbed in the ribs. That's painful. This shit, I don't feel nothing. Nothing. Dead. Empty. Like fucking King Midas in reverse here. Everything I touch turns to shit. I'm not a husband to my wife. I'm not a father to my kids. I'm not a friend to my friends. I'm nothing. Um, I realized I had an issue and I realized I had to get myself fixed. Um, you know, I think it's a, a, something that people don't really want to talk about. Um, and you have a tendency of looking at other people and saying, oh, their lives must be perfect. But you really don't know what's going on behind the scenes as far as, you know, what people are dealing with. Um, in my case, I, I can't tell you what caused it, <laughs> but I was there. Uh, I mean, I even got as far as, you know, once again, it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but, you know, this is the reason why I'm here is that, you know, I literally wrote a suicide note and I was on the verge of doing that. And I still remember to this day putting my kids on the bus in the morning and, you know, coming up with this plan to, you know, to basically end my life. And the reason why I didn't do it was because of my kids. I thought, you know... How are my kids going to come home and my kids are going to find me? They're going to be out without a father and they're going to be traumatized for the rest of their life. So, um, you know, realizing that that's where I was in my mind, I reached out uh, to uh, a couple mental health professionals. Um, I've always gone to therapy. I've had a, I have a very good uh, relationship with uh, a therapist who uh, has helped me uh, for many, many years. Her name is Kathy Atwell. Um, she's been phenomenal. So I reached out to her and I went to talk to her and she actually recommended uh, uh, another doctor that I uh, go see another doctor. His name is Joel Fine. And, um, you know, the combination of, of both going to visit them and uh, getting on some medication and getting back to uh, somewhat of a, a normal routine again, getting back to the gym, um, you know, it, it definitely helped me. But I, mean, I was bad. I, I think at the time when I was going through this, I, I weighed 100 and. 56 pounds or something like that and I'm like I think I weigh like 185 now so I stopped going to the gym all I wanted to do was sleep I didn't want to uh, interact with anybody and it was bad it was really bad so like I said the, my main reason for being here and uh, discussing all this with you is you know I think a lot of people are embarrassed to admit that they have issues and it's something I gotta confess what are you doing getting my wine in position to throw in your damn face. You're always with the drama, you. You go ahead and confess already, please. Get it over with. I'm on Prozac. And, you know, I mean, I say this all the time. We all have issues. We just don't know, you know, what other people are dealing with. And your perception of other people, you know, with, from the outside looking in, always looks like, oh, man, they have that. They have world. They have everything that they want. And there's a lot of people that are struggling and they, you know, I think us getting together and talking about this, um, shed light on the, on this situation. There's a lot of people that, uh, that are dealing with the same situation that, that I was. Well, you know, there's a lot I want to, I want to grasp before we go any further. Cause there's a lot in that little realm that you just discussed that, um, that, you know, we, that I can, you know, relate to with you. Um, you know, number one is, uh, you know, Knowing you and knowing me, I think why we got along so good all these years was we're both very high energy type of people. Right. Um, everybody, you know, we're always, and this is one thing I want to express to the audience is um, if somebody's smiling, you know, that doesn't always mean that they're filled with happiness and joy. Like me and you always have, like some people will say to me, like, Scott, you always got that grin on. And I'm like, well, don't mistake it. Sometimes I'm just trying not to rip somebody's right, head off. Right. Or like sometimes I'm just trying to get through the day. Like, some people can put on that fake smile every day, go to work, and then all of a sudden one day they're like, oh, my God, did you hear about so-and-so? And, like, 
they're gone and they're, they're like what happened oh you know he was struggling with depression for a while and you know it just they, they ended themselves and, and honestly scott like you know <clears throat> for many many years i mean I'm, I'm 50 years old i think a combination of uh, the fact that i turned 50 last year and uh you know, I just started having these physical symptoms. It, it just kind of put me in a spiral uh, dealing with, you know, some anxiety and, you know, the typical day-to-day -day anxiety, money worries, and, you know, the things that, that you worry about every day. I don't, I don't care who you are, you, you know, the stress of, of, of running your kids around and, uh, you know, it catches up to you. But um, over the years, I mean, I've, I've knew f not necessarily, you know, really good friends, but I've known a lot of people that have committed suicide. And, you know, and even, you know, you, you, you go on the news and you newspaper and you see people, these, you know, these rock stars and these, uh, you know, uh, actors and actresses that, that, that kill themselves. And you question, like, how bad could it have been for somebody to get that way? And, you know, and growing up, like I said, I never dealt with the depression side of it. I always dealt with the anxiety side of it. So you question, you look up, you know, from the outside looking in, it's the perception thing. You look at them and you say, they have everything. Why would they do that? Well, you know, recently after I went through my spell, I lost probably two or three people that I know that, uh, that committed suicide. And it's the same thing. You look at their life and you say, man, they had everything. Why would they do this? I can tell you that your mind is an extremely powerful weapon. And uh, if it, it, it could turn against you, I mean, and I think that's what happened to me. I think I started researching all my physical symptoms, and then all of a sudden I started thinking, again, Todd's pattern, worst case scenario, and I was thinking I was dying, and I'm going to leave my family, and you know, I'm going to leave my kids without a father. And you know, to your point, I think the last time we were talking, you said, but yet, on the same, on the other side of the coin, you were talking about ending your life, and you were going to leave your kids. And you know, and your wife without without the father figure and the husband in you know in their lives. So um, again, it's just you just don't understand what people are going through. And you know, to your point, you know, it's uh, I think it's a lot more common than we think it is. Than people actually know and actually want to discuss. For me, I feel a lot better discussing it when I go to therapy and I talk to people. I, I love it. I mean, I, I feel so much better when I go because I realize that. You know, I'm not the only one that's dealing with this, you know? Well, you never, it's, you know, it's, um, anybody that would ever, you know, anybody that would ever talk ill about us bringing mental health to light and sharing our stories, they're just, they're pieces of shit. I mean, there's, there's no nicer way to put it. I mean, they, they obviously have some issues that they need to fix for themselves. I don't know if they're spiritually sick or what. Um, there's, there's some really sick people out there, you know, they, they like, they like hearing stories like this, like, yeah, you know, like, oh, like, yeah, like, yeah, he, he had it all. Like, that's, that's the whole thing is like, people don't know. And like, that's one of the main things I have written out. Like I, I've been, you know, we've been plotting this for a while now. Right. I've been blueprinting and right. I want to make sure I hit all points. So, you know, I took my, you know, my notes the past couple of weeks and, uh, you know, one of them is number a number one, what helps me, what got through addiction, what got through mental health, everything. And, and, you know, it took me a long time to start never judge people based off assumptions or perceptions. Sure. People see people, you know, they got the nice house in the development. They got the, the brand new vehicle they lease every couple of years. Yep. They got a solid career, but that might not be what that makes that person happy. Correct. And that's the problem is we compare too much to what we don't have rather than what we do have. And I think I think the fact that social media is so powerful now, I mean, you, you cannot help but see, you know, the facade of some people's lives. You know, you see they're, you know, they're going on vacations and they're doing this and they're doing that. And, you know, you can only, you know, I guess it's, it's human nature to, to, to compare yourself. You and know? I believe that helps with self-esteem for some people because some people are just so insecure in self-esteem that social media made people more relevant and i mean i'm guilty as charged i put a lot of my you know business up on social media but you know what like a lot of my social media came in from when i was in the business back in the day in the bar scene and yeah. as were you in the band yeah. scene I mean, that, that was the biggest you know promotional tool going i mean you know we free advertisement i mean i remember back in the day we used to pay for ads in the newspaper to you know or we get our our schedule cards printed up and spend all this money advertising where we were playing and then social media came along and it was like instant like you know you put a message on facebook hey we're playing you know and and you didn't have to pay anything and uh, and we'd have you know hundreds of people coming to see us play so so, um, but you know, so at, to your point, there's good things and there's bad things about it. But um, I, I can tell you that I think uh, you know it's it's much different now, today, uh, for people going through what they're going through than it was back in the day.
Well, I think it's good, too, is, like, when you link up with people that went through it, too. Like, there's so many people I used to go out club clubbing with back in the day. And, I mean, like, you, um, you know, we we knew each other from multiple aspects. I mean, you used to see me out in my heyday. Right. I'd see you out playing in the band. Right. You'd see me during the day. You were a beer sales rep to me and my father's establishment. We'd, we'd link up during the day. You'd pop in once in a while. Right. And then we'd see each other at boxing. We'd see each other yep. at the gym. So we were always bumping into one another. Right. Um, and, you know... Little do we know, even throughout all those years, it was just up until recently. I mean, we've known each other probably almost close to 20 years. It's been just recently that we both expressed to one another that we had underlying mental health disorders. Absolutely. Neither one of us knew, either one right. of us struggled right. with it. Right. And it, it's, it's crazy because, like, that famous phrase, like, when people hear about, you know, Mr. Smith, who, you know, was living in development, had the brand new house, nice college degree, career landing opportunity, and then... You know, he does something to himself and harms himself, harm. Everybody's that famous phrase, I had no idea. Correct. Because you were judging him based upon assumptions and perceptions. Correct. Because you thought they had everything, but they didn't. Like, nobody knows, you know, they, they see their, you know, their boss come to work every day in the Mercedes and, you know, he walks in and, you know, maybe he might be a prick or he might be a, a nice guy. I don't know. But nobody knows. He might be leaving work every day and having to drive his kid down to, and for the worldwide audience that is watching on YouTube, um, I'm going to say, uh, you know, the, the guy might be taking his kid down to Danville Hospital. Danville is a children, a, a very, very um, well-known children's hospital, you know, around here. Nobody knows what people's business got outside of what they got because not a lot of people share. They don't want to share their dirty right. laundry. And we, right. you fall into this trap, especially when you're down, of comparing yourself to the people that have it better than you, which you portray have it better than you, but nobody compares to somebody that has it worse to them. And that's where that's where you gotta find that balance is like, some of that stuff you start learning is a lot of it's irrelevant. And one thing that I learned about that worrying for no reason, because that worrying for no reason used to push me to drink because it would set me into a, a place that my anxiety would get so high that I would start getting the jitters and I'd be like, well, you know, my mentality is, oh, I just need a drink. It's Friday. Yeah, I still struggle with that, Scott. I, I worry about everything. I mean, I, it's just, I think that's just the way I'm wired. I don't think I'm ever going to not have that in my life. And uh, I just have to try to find ways, you know, to, to cope with it and deal with it. Um, to your point, we're very active. So my, you know, my routine, you know, I'm very strict in my routine. I, I get up at 4.30 in the morning and, and try to work out. And when I don't go, I actually feel worse. My day is, seems like it's off when I, when I don't follow through with, with you know, just, just, just doing the basic things every day that I've been doing, you know. And, and again, for me, my, you know, it's, it's staying active. It's, uh, it's medication. I finally got on the right medication. Um, it's, uh, it's talk therapy. I, I, I can't say enough about that. Talk therapy to me is it, it, when I walk out of that room after you know, that hour of spending with, with my therapist, I feel so much better. I feel so much better. And there's times I actually, you know, I, I, I book an appointment and, you know, I look at the calendar and it's like, oh, I wonder, I can't wait till I go the next time. And that's the way I feel. And I used to be embarrassed to express to anybody that I go to therapy because, you know, as a, as a, a man, it's some people look at it as a sign of weakness. Um, I don't anymore. I look at it as a sign of, I want to get myself fixed. I want to be a better person. For not only you know myself, but for my family, for my kids, for my wife, for my friends, uh, my coworkers. Um, so that's that's my my objective right now is to just try to try to be able to uh, to handle the everyday worry and the anxiety and uh, you know just try to push through it. Well, you know, worrying I believe will distract you from reality. So you you lose touch with what's going on around you. So like in for retrospect, like. I caught myself so many times, especially with financial and difficulties, was, and that's something that, you know, people need to understand is like, yeah, it's nice to have all that fun stuff and everything like that, but if you can't afford it, I mean, don't kill yourself. Financial stress can put anybody over the edge. Um, and I've noticed myself when I was dealing with financial stress, which we still, everybody de deals with it day to day. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm debt free and I'm sitting here you know, with an 800 credit score, that's far from the truth. Um, the the thing is, is don't let it take you, don't don't worry and dwell on it. Like, 
you know, how am I going to pay this bill next week? And here's you on the weekend with your kids and your and your wife or your child, like you know, your family. And they're trying, you know, you you have a day off of work and you're trying to spend quality time with your family, but you're like they're like a shell, but like mentally, like you're your all mind the, is somewhere else. You're you're yeah. you're not there focusing Correct. on the good times, and then. Not only does that lead you into a worse situation because now you go back to work on Monday, you're regretting that you didn't make the best of the right. good time. And again, I, I, I'm the first one to admit that I, I struggle with that every day. To this day, I struggle with it. You know, I'm not saying that I, you know, I went through my spell and now I'm, I'm 100%. I'm fixed. I'm not fixed. I have to continue, you know, to keep, keep the pattern of, you know, of medication, uh, talk therapy, uh, exercise. I mean, that's, that's what I'm trying to, to use to combat this everyday uh, issue that I have in my life. And uh, again, I, I think it's so common. It's just people, especially guys, are afraid to talk about it. And I'm hoping that by us coming and discussing this and you know again i'm not you know i'm not johnny rockstar i mean i was in a band for 28 years we, we were very successful um you know i was the guy at the center stage you know uh you know always with the smile on his face and the you know the center of attention and but i struggled and and people probably look at that and say there's no way that guy had depression and he's jumping around and you know uh entertaining people you know for for 20 some years but you know i i dealt with it and uh, again, I, I think that by me coming forward and discussing my issues, just like yourself, that, you know, we all have issues. It's just a matter of, you know, do we want to deal with them or do we not want to deal with them? And my life is too important for me to just give up. And I have, you know, a great, great family, uh, great friends. And um, I said, I, I made a, a promise to myself to just every day just try to be a better person and try to, uh, you know, to be the best that I can. Well, Todd, I mean, like, just like me, like, you know, um, you know, I always enjoyed being like a leader. Um, not really like, you know, and when I got to my worst stages of addiction, I feel as though that like I stopped being that guy. Like when I was younger, I had like the younger guys coming up, teach me how to play hockey, teach me how to fight on, on the ice, teach me how to do this. And, you know, like then it led into I got I played hockey my whole life, as you know, when right. I was in my younger right. years and I was pretty good. And then. I stopped playing hockey because I broke my leg, and then I started getting into weightlifting, and then the weightlifting at that era, early 2000s, you know, it got, it started coming, I started getting addicted to the lifting. I wasn't sure. even into drinking or alcohol, uh, using alcohol or drugs or anything at that point, yep. and when I started seeing results at the gym, then people were coming up to you, you know, hey, what do you do, what do you, how, how do you live, you know, like, the younger kids, you yeah. know, and I always enjoyed helping others, mm -hmm. but then I got distracted because then... I started looking up to the guys that were in better shape than I was. They were into the club scene. Yep. We started going into the club scene. It came with beautiful women. You know, um, how am I going to get that two hundred dollar t shirt to wear to the club? Um, how am I going to, you know? And then it, it did. And then we talked about it on the club era um, episodes. Like it just led me down a really bad path. And you know, so you should have been a singer. You could have went to the Salvation Army and bought some t shirts and ripped, ripped your jeans up. And you know, you didn't have to spend a lot of money to try to impress anybody. You just jump around on stage. Well, easy results are just never an option. And like you know, I just feel as though neither is quitting. That's the way I look I, at things I anymore. I agree. Quitting is not an option for me. Um, you know, honestly, what gets me through the day with, with the constant worry, and there's been so many times, and I know everybody that's listening right now that struggled with mental health, had a situation that was coming up, and it was like a couple days beforehand, and you start with the premeditation. You start mm -hmm. sitting there and playing God or whoever it is you believe in that's a higher power. You start playing God, and, you know, you start predicting these catastrophic events that they did not even take place. And, you know, the, the majority of the time, they never actually do come out like that. And you end up saying to yourself nine times out of ten, boy, that wasn't nowhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be. Or, yeah, and, I, and I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm guilty of that. I, I spend a lot of time uh, worrying about things that don't happen. And I think we talked about it the last time I said my dad always said 99% of the things that you worry about don't happen. And uh, I'll be the first one to admit that, you know, the last time I went to, you know, to my therapist, uh, we talked about just just how I spend so much time worrying about things that may happen that I don't focus on, I don't enjoy something that's right in front of me. And I'll worry about uh, taking a, a car ride, I'll worry about the car breaking down, even though the likelihood of the car breaking down is very nil, I will worry about that and I won't enjoy the car ride, if that makes any sense. Todd, I, I get nervous, sometimes like as of recently, like, 
you know, it took like five years. But as of recently, the past few months, I mean, you know, have been getting a little, have been, I can say right now my life, it's not where, it's not exactly where I want it to be, but I'm definitely way far away from where I once was. Right. You know, I finally landed a job that I, I can say I don't mind going to work. I'm making a little bit better money now. I have this show that I like helping people. Yep. Um, you know, I do this voluntarily. Um, and, you know, I, I just look forward to more things now. And it took a long time for me to get to this point. But um, now, like you were saying about worrying about nothing, sometimes when things are going too good, I actually start worrying that, okay, when's the bad going to come? I do that. I when's do that. the bad going to come? I do that all the time. We must be wired the same way. <laughs> I you think know? so. I mean, I think, uh, I think a lot of it is, is you know, is, is how you're – how you're wired and I, I i realize that i'm i'm a realist to, to say that i'm not going to be able to change that you know i look at some people and i say man the house could blow up and they don't care it's like they're they don't care they're not affected by it do they or do they not appear they care absolutely and that and that's what we talked about perception now me i'm worried about the house blowing up before it even does it before it even happens and and i spend so much time worrying about things that may happen that it, it's it, it's really it, it, it takes away from your from you living yeah I mean you know if uh, you know forgetting how to I always say this and this is a this is a strong sign of depression and I want people to hear this out here and I you know this is some quotes that I came up with on my own is I'm I feel as though that forgetting how to live will make you feel like you want to die that's depression um, you know you start losing that focus on what the important things are in life and not appreciating what's in front of you, then you're just going to be like, okay, well, instead of looking forward to living, I'm going to look forward to death. And that's going to bring in a dark cloud of depression. And it's just not, it's not going to take you down a bad path. I'm to, you know, to go back to the coping skills of the worrying for no reason. What I do anymore is I kind of took my, uh, what I learned in addiction and what I learned with mental health. And I kind of like put my own little, formulas together and you know what some people could say well you know you didn't go to rehab you know i've been through you know my share of stuff that i had to, i had to go through and i went to my meetings you know and i've gone to some you know therapy appointments stuff like that and you know at the end of the day if you're doing the best you can for yourself it's what works for you that's right there's no there's no definitive answer for everybody like i'd rather talk to somebody that knows how i feel like you mm -hmm. rather than go sit and you know and no no disrespect to you but um, I can't be medicated. You know, there's family members that would say, you know, he needs to be on some medication because I get right. wired sometimes. Right. Right. But I can't handle being slowed down like that. Right. And I've tried medication in the past, and it just it makes me like a zombie, and I, I just well, can't I, do it. I can tell you, Scott, that, you know, dealing with this for, you know, since my episode, I was on many, many different medications. I mean, some very, very powerful medications. And um to some extent that, you know, I, you said it slowed you down. I mean, I didn't want to get out of bed, you know, and I don't know if it was a combination of, of just, you know, where I was mentally and the medications, but um, I said I finally got to the point where I, I tried something and, and, and it stuck, and um, not that I'm afraid to get off it. I mean, you know, what my uh, Dr. Fine says to me that I could probably get off the medication, but, you know, the worry sets in where I feel really good now. And I don't want to, you know, it's the old, if it's not broke, don't, you know, don't fix it, don't change it. So I'm a little hesitant to get off the medication because it's working and there's no, there's no harm me taking it and continue to take it. There's, you know, there's, I don't have to get off it, but, um, you know, ultimately I, I would like to, um, but I'm a little apprehensive with that because it's working. So, <laughs> I mean, there, there's people that'll tell me, sorry, there's people that'll tell me that like there's hot and cold scenarios where people say that some people say, and I'm not, I don't. Like, don't take this as advice to the people out there listening that are struggling with sobriety. But there's people that say, like, after five years, your brain resets itself from addiction. I and I that, said, man. I've learned to live with functioning without it. Why would I want to bring it, if it's working for me without it, why would I want to fool around and yeah, experiment? And yeah. that's, I feel as though I respect you for what you said. Yeah. But to with the worrying, you know, the coping skill that I use and what I was saying was how I use from my tools from addiction, stuff like that. Um, taking a personal inventory of the situation, I always like, you know, I love like old fashioned paper and, and pen, you know, I'm having a bad day. I go, I go in my bedroom and I write, okay, what's the problem? I write down the problem. What is the worst thing that can happen? As long as I don't write death on that paper, 
what or losing a family member what could be that bad that it's ruining my day so then i start reading okay well this is the worst that can happen in this situation okay if that was to occur how could you handle it or what could you do to prevent it from happening and then you start you start sitting there and before you know it, you got a page full of strategic answers for yourself or usually nine times out of ten if you just let the situation instead of playing god and getting these catastrophic thoughts and premeditating your future if you just let it play itself out 99 percent of the time it just works itself out usually oh boy you would you would get a gold star from my therapist kathy would would, would uh she tells me that all the time uh write write things down write it down and then and to your point you know determine the worst case scenario and when you write it down a lot of times you look at it and you say it's really not as bad there's always an answer no. you know to fix that problem and you know the 99 percent of the time it doesn't happen is it's almost all the time <laughs> that that you yeah again i have a tendency of, of just taking something and and I, it, it's like a, a hamster in the wheel where i take one little thing and I and I just stew on it, and I just I can't get it, and it just it's like a snowball. It's like a snowball effect, and it goes from something very very minor, and it turns into this big monster, you know. And then so that's why she recommends a lot of times using what you just said, writing things down, writing them down. Well, I used to mistake my anxiety, like I told you, I'd get the jitters, and like when I was in my younger years, and this is where I believe that. Um, I'm still on the fence. I mean, I've never talked to any professionals about this, but I'm still on the fence if I even actually, you know, I it's it's a known fact. I mean, people see me in action when I used to drink and, you know, do other things and stuff. And it was like, you know, I obviously had a problem. I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't stop once I started, you know, one day turned into the next. But what stemmed from me feeding into that was, you know, um, giving into my anxiety. My brain would tell me, it would my brain would actually envision when I'd start getting jittery or start getting worried and all that stuff. My brain would start sending shockwaves and making me premeditate how I would feel just after one or two drinks. You get that calm, relaxed feeling, but it would never end up like that. Right. My brain was playing tricks on me because it knew once it you know. So they say if you have real bad anxiety problems and you're trying to use alcohol to put that anxiety out, that's like trying to put out a fire with gasoline rather than water or some sort of fire extinguisher so what it would do is it would intensify my anxiety to the point that now i'm on a binge i'm on a bender for a couple of days straight and then i then it would turn in from anxiety to a blackout state for a couple of days and then it would be depression for three or four right. days right. then all, the, all those shortcomings would go away i'd be right back at it three four days later and i would call it the vicious cycle and well, i could tell you that like you just talked about anxiety and physical symptoms. Like, you know, when I first started going to discuss my my situation, my depression, when I got into that hole, you know, it stemmed from physical symptoms. And I thought the physical symptoms were because there was something wrong with me, but it turns out the physical symptoms were caused from the anxiety and the mental issues that I was having. I was getting like, almost like you were talking about like the shakes and I was getting like a tingling down through my leg. And I thought there was something wrong with me. I, as you know, like about, I don't know, 14 years ago, I had a spinal tumor. So my first instinct when I started getting that tingling down through my leg was that tumor's coming back. There's something wrong. So once again, I, I ran the gamut of the tumor's back. I have Lyme's disease. I have ALS. I have, you know, and that once again, the hamster in the wheel that just kept doing this. Catastrophic I, thinking. I, I, yes, catastrophic, catastrophic thinking. I literally put myself into a depression and it all stemmed from those physical symptoms that were caused by anxiety by worry well as you said you didn't even want to get out of bed i mean i didn't want to get out you, of bed. people don't understand how much energy and draining that could be to somebody being in a depressed state like that and then you fall into that funk where well i'm just going to keep sleeping i'm going to keep sleeping and then now you're like wait a minute i'm weak I'm tired all the time. Scott, as you know, like I, I again, I, I'm a very active person, and and now you know after after going through all this, you know, I'm at the I get up at four thirty in the morning. I'm at the gym most of the most of the days during the week. I go on the weekends, and I was literally to the point where I would get up in the morning, and just walk walking the dog, was this big chore that, it it, it you know it took everything I had in my power to get out of bed to take the dog out. And as soon as I took the dog out and I came back in the house, what do you think I did? I jumped right back into bed. 
It was it was such a struggle. I'm telling you, man. I I, I got down. I was 156 pounds. I stopped going to the gym. Um, it, it, I I just I basically just wanted to sleep, and I didn't. I wasn't eating. Um, you know, the, the time that I spent with my kids, I, did, I all I did was basically just stay in my room. I stayed in the room. I isolated. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to be around anybody. Uh, my work was suffering. Everything was suffering. And again, thankfully, I recognized that I really needed help. I reached out uh, the support system, not only from my coworkers, from my, you know, my, my employers, from uh, my bosses, from my family to my friends. I mean, my friends w would call me every day, you know, checking in on me and, uh, you know, I get to the point where they were, they were ready to come and get me a couple of times and, and take me to the hospital. Um, so again, I, I can't say enough about, you know, the fact that it, it takes similar to probably your situation is that you, you have to admit you have a problem. I know that sounds so cliche that you have to first recognize that you have a problem, but I did, and if I didn't, Scott, I probably wouldn't be here. Well, because everybody can tell you, you need help, you need help, you need help, but if you're not ready to get right, the help, right. you'll never succeed. And you know what? I don't know like, if you can actually timeline it. Maybe something was going on in your life that actually got you to that point. I feel as though that, like we were talking, like always high energy, you know, stuff like that. Um, I know that my alcoholism really took course and took flight as I got older and I came to a crossroads in my early 20s where it was like started partying started getting into the game so I wasn't playing hockey no more which used to help me with my anxiety my depression because I was an outlet yeah I was really yeah. good at hockey I'm not I'm not being boastful my I had a reputation I was really good in hockey people looked up to me so that boosts my and people can call it egotistical all they want but who doesn't like getting commended for doing well, good stuff? I mean, you know, I, and it's funny that you said that because I think it was a combination of multiple things for me. I turned 50, right? I wasn't in the band anymore. And, and to your point, that the band for me was always an outlet. I released energy by going up on stage. That was a part of it. Coupled with I lost both of my parents. And I think that was a, a, a very big thing. I don't think I ever really mourned the way I was supposed to or grieved the way I was supposed to. Um, I, you know, my dad passed away and, you know, dealing with, with, you know, uh, all, all the legal stuff that goes on. And then, and, you know, and then years later, uh, we redid, redid the house and, you know, it's just, just life. Right. And then I lose my mother, you know, my mother passes away and I don't think I ever really kind of dealt with it, uh, you know, the way that I should have. And I think it was just a combination of everything that, that led me to where I, you know, to put me in that dark place. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, my mother, as you know, she passed away in 2011. She was only 48. Yeah. Um, that took a big, big toll on me already at that point. I was there about five, six years already. Like, I was done with hockey. I was done boxing. I was done um, with all the stuff that was positive in my life. Sure. I came to a point in my life where I had to work, 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 and my free time, like, if you're working 16-hour days, 15-hour days, as you know, I was starting my own business and stuff like that, and then when I lost my business, I had to start over because I was supporting a family. Right. And... I thought I was going to be in the family business like my father my whole life, so I really didn't pre-plan for the worst. So when we when I lost my business and it was time for me to grow up because I had a kid, right. and I had to start out at jobs that were paying like minimal income or minimum wage. I was working two full-time jobs, minimum wage, and you know when you're working 90, 100 hours a week between two jobs, and all your paychecks are going back out the door for bills. Yeah. It gets depressing. Yeah, sure. So, like, what I can say about that is, like, I never gave up on myself. Like, I started small. I dreamt big. But it was it was a constant haul. Like, I, you know, I more or less, I, I invented this thing I call the quits, the quicksand method. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you get stuck in quicksand, are you going to allow yourself to keep sinking or are you going to find yourself a way out? And I realized at that point, nobody cared. Well, see, if your father can't pay the rent, go with Mickey Mantle and see what he tells you. Mickey Mantle don't care about you, so why should you care about him? Nobody cares. <laughs> you can talk to anybody you want about financial right. problems. Like, hey, you know, like, you know, like, poor me, poor me. But nobody cared. Like, nobody was going to come to me, no matter how many people I talked to down the gym that had good jobs, like, thinking, like, if I was throwing hints out, like, they were just going to, like, offer me in a yeah, box. Like, yeah, here's Scott, your, here's, here's, your, your money. here's your job Monday through Correct, Friday, right? 9 to yeah. 5. You're going to make 100 grand a year because you're entitled to it. I had to go out and earn it. You know, like, there was nothing the past six, seven years of me working countless hours to give a decent life for my family, mm -hmm. I had a I had a look and I had a you know look at that light 
that was like a pinhole in the beginning that I was like, you know, I always said to myself up until recently, I was saying to myself, when is life going to get better? When is life going to get better? When is life going to get better? When am I going to stop struggling? And then I, and then one day it just, you never think it's going to happen. Then one day, bang, your life's exactly where you want it. Right. And it's because I kept showing up. And I feel as though hard times build strength. I agree. You have to go through hard times in order to be a strong person. Anything, anybody that's given something, usually you'll end up losing it. Or some people are lucky and they live that Cinderella story lifestyle. But, you know, we can't judge because of their blessings versus what we portray that they have everything. They may have a bad marriage. They may have a bad home life that, you know, they're sneaking um they're going home and drinking a bottle of vodka every night nobody knows you know and um what going back to the worrying thing of it another method that i came up with was you know when a tire when your tires get all out of whack on your car and you're driving all over the place you get your car aligned well i do right now what i call is self-alignment which you know when you start worrying about that crazy stuff i take a deep breath i try and just do a self-alignment on myself I let the situation play itself out. I stop comparing myself if this if this pertains to the situation. I stop comparing myself to those who appear that have it better than me and realize that there's a lot of people out there that have it worse than me in this situation. I also I stop with my pessimistic behaviors and I become more optimistic. You know, not looking at all oh, that water bottles half full or half empty. We're, we're wired the same, man. I, you know, you you're, you sound like I wrote that. And and lastly is I'm done beating myself up about stuff that's without my control. Like I said, worrying about paying a bill on Tuesday and it's Friday and you got the weekend to be with your family. Focus on your family. Focus on your friends. Like if you have an off day, keep it an off day. And I always say I'm going to create memories and not regrets. You know, maximum effort, maximum return. So, I mean, as long as you keep showing up and you're doing everything you can, Life will get better. Like, I got I got some people, you know, including myself, when I first got sober, first two months, I wanted my life to just be back on track. None of that stuff that I did the past 10 years, 11 years when I was an addict, I, I thought, like, you know, that after a month or two, you know, things should just go to normal. I should land the career-landing job of my dreams. I should have a good home life. I should, you know, everybody should trust me. And I just thought, like, you know, instant gratification, I thought everything should uh, should just go right back to normal. But you got to keep showing up and you can't quit. Um, and that's just it. Like, there's so many times I hear people talk about, like, other people and say, like, you know, they, they got it all. They got it all. And then, you know, a couple years later or a couple months later, something comes out that they didn't have at all. Right. And they're like, oh, I had no idea. We talked I, about that perception, man. You know, perception is, uh, you know, is, is not always reality. Yeah, I mean, big thing too is, um, you know, big thing too is that can make people sink into a depression that I, I had to get through was, stop, stop dwelling on your past. Like you just got to let it alone and use it as self growth. Um, I know so many people that, including my father. You know my father. Yeah. Started over at sixty one years old. I mean, yeah. You got to admire somebody like that. I mean, he was his own business owner for thirty seven years, yeah. and then you know situations occurred and he's now more happier than he ever was right. and he wakes up he goes to work he works for somebody else right and he's happy he has more freedom you know he's he's doing what he has to do and you know like that that's where when i started the sober sit down it was supposed to be just addiction based stories and all that stuff but then i reverted it to well what about remarkable rebound stories what about inspiring people that it's never too late to make those changes like I feel as though a lot of people, you know, they fold. They they fold like a table. Like, you know, they get they get to a certain point in their life and they're doing something for so long and then they hit their like like 50s or, you know, whatever or late 40s and they're like, "Well, you know, I should have went to school in my 20s. Well, what's stopping you from going now?" Yeah. If you like that's that's where I was at. I was in my mid 30s and I'm like, "I'm sick of sweeping floors. I'm sick of working in prisons. I'm sick of you know, working for other people, you know, screw it. I'm going to go get my CDL. I went and got my CDL. I'm like making better money, but I'm not happy with what I'm doing. So now I'm going to start, you know, thinking about how could I make better money and not have to 
be all over the country. Right, right, to, you right. know what I mean? And, and spend time with your family. It's a balance, man. It's, you know. But you got to stay hungry and you got to stay motivated. And you, you can't, like, the five things that you need to not do is, number one, don't live within the past, what we just talked about. Number two is a big one. Do not have self-pity for yourself. If you fall in the trap of self-pity, people get so sick of hearing you complain yeah. about yourself. Like, you know, there's been times I was guilty as charged calling friends and family thinking they cared. And I'm sitting there whining about my situation. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, you know, like, like effort, like when I used to do it, I'm like, you know, like, yeah, I'm just venting. But eventually, like, people stop picking up the phone. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't, don't want to hear this cry, wanna, baby. They don't want to hear the same story over and over. And Number three is, you know, negativity. Um, don't surround yourself with negativity. I mean, if people, places, and things have to change, like they say in sobriety, yeah. if you're around negative people, if certain places are going to make you do negative things, you know, get get away from it. Don't don't be around it. Hang out with positive people. Do you know? Be around people that are going to bring you up, not bring you down. Right. Um, don't ha number four is don't have hatred towards others based upon perception and assumption. Don't be like, oh well. That guy's grandfather started a business and his family, you know, just kept, you know, his grandfather left to his father, his father left to him. Good for them. Don't have hatred towards people Good like that them. because I believe in karma and I think that just brings a bad energy towards you. And that's another thing too, the perception of, of somebody, you know, in that situation where they, you know, uh, their family has a business and they, they don't, people don't understand that these people that they're not just handed everything they work <laughs> you know i'm sure there's some i'm sure there's some instances where where people you know uh, do take advantage of it but i think the majority of the people they, they want to earn people's respect i've so, been there before i mean uh, right it, it, it's a lot of pressure people be like oh i want to be my own boss i want to own my own company yeah i mean if you have a successful one yeah congratulations i mean but people don't understand that like Owning a business is not a 40-hour-a-week job. Right. Like, even if somebody has a million-dollar company, they got to worry every day how that company is going to keep going the rest of their life. Especially when they have employees depending on, you know, that they're supporting their livelihoods. And, and, and the last thing on the, on the fifth things of, you know, you need to not do is, you know, don't be jealous of other people. Like, jealousy is just like hatred's cousin. And I just feel like when you're jealous of other people, you're losing focus on yourself. Like, if you want that other person's life, Go out and earn it. Go yeah, out and get yeah, it. Yeah, do it. Figure out how you can get to that point rather than hating on other people and being jealous of other people. Find out how you can get to that level and make something out of yourself. Yeah. You know, sitting around jealous thinking that, like, people, some people, you know, they think they're going to hit that wintering lottery ticket. Like, <laughs> somebody's just going to call them Scratch on a sweepstake off. and they'll be like, hey, I got the job of your dreams waiting for you. But you don't have to go to college. You don't have to do nothing right. to get it. It's just waiting here yeah. for you. And I, it's never, it, it's 99% of the time that's never going to happen. Won't happen. Never going to happen. You have to keep showing up. you got to work hard and, you know, overstack your plate. I mean, a guy with me and you, like, higher anxiety, like, overstack your plate. Take yourself to the point of exhaustion, but also have that balance where you're still a good family man, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, make the best out of a bad situation. Learn how to make, and if you're going through a bad situation, what could you do? Take that self-inventory. What could I do to make this situation better? I, I hate going to work every day. Okay, what could you do to get yourself out of it? Start exploring job opportunities or start exploring education that you can piggyback with your day job. Go to school at night. Do something that's going to get you out of that situation. Right. Don't stick with it and live miserable the rest of your life. Don't fold. Go, go and say to yourself this is what i'm doing i mean you can get a full college education you can get up to a doctorate from a computer right i don't want to hear oh you know after working all day i don't want to go sit in class you know i have to go down to the university you can literally go home eat dinner and log into your computer and get an eight-year yep. degree from sitting in your house and not to go anywhere yep so that those excuses like don't get involved in those those traps of you know, getting those excuses for yourself that, and that just once again takes you back to the self pity. Yep. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Yep. Nobody cares. You want to make your cares. life better. You want to make your, you want to make your life better. Go out and make it better. Yep. Um, you know, and like I said, just you know, my best, my best thing for anxiety and for you too, with your anxiety is we both agree is you got to stay busy. Yeah. You got to stay busy. You got to stay motivated, and that's just it. And a routine. We talk about that. We're both, you know, we're routine guys. Uh, you know. Um, to the point sometimes where when my routine gets upset, I, you know, I feel off, but, uh, you know, to your point, it, it, 
just keeping busy is very, very, it's, it's the key to my, my anxiety control. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, one advice I can give people too is, you know, um, you know, getting that pen and paper and, you know, doing weekly, short-term, long-term goals for yourself. Hold yourself accountable. Um, accept correct, correct, when, there's a lot of people out there that say they want help, but they won't take corrective criticism. You have to be willing to get beat up verbally. Like, there's so many people I sponsored in the program. Right. And, like, I'm not going to mention names, but, like, there was this one guy, and he finally seen the big picture. And so many times I'd call him out on his BS, and he'd be like, well, if you say so, if you say so, always, like, blaming other people, right. like, family right. members, like, well, this person did that, and this person, and then I would break it down to him, like, you know, this is, you know, this is your fault. Yeah, well, if you say so, I'm like, listen, you didn't call me for me to take your side. You want to hear what's right and wrong. And I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I still do things the wrong way sometimes. I'm not, yeah, I'm not we're, perfect. We're, we're, yeah, that, I mean, that's, isn't that, we're, we're all, you know, we all have faults. And I mean, you know, back to that, back to that list, like, find out what's making you mad, sad, depressed, and try to eliminate them out of your life. Or what could you do to make it better? Like, you might be depressed because your marriage is in a funk. What could you do to make your marriage better? Like, what, you know, like, maybe maybe you're depressed because you're not spending enough time with your kids. Well, make that time for your kids. Right. Like, what could you do? Write it down on a piece of paper. Like, what are the possibilities of what I can do to make my life better? Because, and but if you, you make that list and you don't hold yourself accountable from trying what you think would be the best solutions to your problems, you know, it's 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 like throwing money out the window yeah, when sure you're is. driving. Yeah. yeah, it sure is. It sure is. I think ultimately, you know, uh, for, for all of us, it's uh, we're all responsible for our own lives. You know, we could sit here, we could blame our parents, you know, we could blame, you know, our childhood, we could blame, we could blame everybody. But ultimately, as you said, I mean, you have to be responsible for your own life. And you could either quit or you could push ahead and you could try to, you know, ultimately become a better person and, and learn from your mistakes and your past. And again, we're, we're all, we're human. We all make mistakes and, uh, you know, we all have issues. So I think ultimately, you know, the big reason why I wanted to come and talk to you was just to let people know that, you know, everybody experiences it. And I think it's just, a, it's very important to just acknowledge the fact that if you have mental uh, health issues, anxiety, depression, uh, you know, and you get to that point where I was and you get in that black hole where, you know, you don't even want to get out of bed and you're seriously considering about ending your life, I think it's very important that you reach out for help. You know, friends, family, um, anybody. Yeah, you, you have to talk about it. That's the only way it's going to get better. And like me and you discussed earlier, you know, um, we're working on a platform right now here at the Sober Sit Down. Um, it's going to be www.sobersitdown.com. And um, we're going to offer on our page where you can actually book one-on-one -on -one Zoom meetings with somebody like ourselves. We're not psychologists. We just live through it and can talk about it. Right. And, right. you know, it's sometimes... You, you can get better advice from somebody that's going through that went through or is going through what you went through and you have that one-on-one -on -one with right. somebody um you know we're going to offer that here at the sober sit down to people that you know want to volunteer people that need help um you know we're uh that's what this is all about it's yeah. this this sober sit down's here to help other people get through problems because i learned that you know it's not worth it to go through life miserably and if I have to speak loud about what I had to go through in order to make my life a little bit better, then you know what? I want people to know that, you know, you're driving to work every day miserable in that same job that you're like, well, this is it for me. Like, it doesn't have to be. Right. There's so many times, like, I, I would get into a new job and somebody would be like, hey, how's the new job going? I couldn't let it sit in that, like, this is going to be me the next 30 years. Right. I, won't, I, I, I won't do it. And some people have a hard time with that because, like, you know where we come from, like, there's a big thing with people like stick at the same job, build that pension. You know, like if you're not happy there, why would who cares? Like who cares about a pension if you're not happy or if you don't live to enjoy the pension? Yeah, at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta please yourself. You can't you, you can't please others. You know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying like act erratic and just you know 
be like job hopping and stuff like that. But like you said, find your happiness, find out what's going to make you happy. Right. And, you know, work at it. I mean, some people might call that selfish, but you got, if you're not happy, it's going to reflect on those around you and they're not going to be happier. They're going to be sadder. You know, like there's been, I'm guilty as charged. There's so many times I came home and, you know, like I was in a job that I hate it and I was just doing it just to bring money home. And, you know, I was sucking it up and just doing it and grinding and, I was walking around like a miserable piece of shit, and I, I feel sorry. I feel sorry for those around me that were affected by it, and they understand now why I was like it. But I had no business taking it on other people, yeah. and you know, um, you try and like, um, like, own up to your own stuff. Like, handle your business, and you know, hap- if you can create happiness for yourself, and everybody can be happy around you. I agree. I agree. And it just gives it an all around better energy, but. You know, um, I um, I hope everybody you know got something out of this today. Um, I think uh, I think it was a great way to you know bring our first segment to mental health awareness uh, to the sober sit down. And uh, is there anything uh, you'd like to add, Todd? Before no, we I, get I, that? I think uh, thanks uh, first of all for having me here. I I think it was uh, very important for me to tell my story. Um, you know, to to maybe somebody uh, can relate to it and somebody that's going through it now but as I said I think the most important key is to uh, you know for anybody that's going through what I went through uh, similar to what Scott's been going through to just you know if you get to that point where uh, you know where your life seems like it's not worth living uh, you need to talk to somebody you need to reach out to somebody and uh, you know I'll be the first one to admit that I was I was there and um, I'm here because I reached out to the people and I talked about it. And that's why I chose to come here tonight and tell my story. So please, uh, you know, reach out to anybody. Tell your story. Well, I thank everybody for coming out tonight. And, um, you know, we're going to have some links at the bottom. If um, you know anybody that's struggling or anybody that wants to talk, my Instagram will be at the bottom. Um, you know, Todd's always around. Um, I can link you up with Todd, you know. Um, we're always out to help other people and, uh, we're going to continue the sober sit down is going to grow as time goes on. We have, I have many people in the area that I live in, in Pennsylvania that want to extend their hand and, you know, offer services. You don't know what people have been through until you hear their side of the story. So, you know, I was judged when I was younger a lot because of my situation and stuff like that. But, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover and that's all there, that's all there is to it. And, um, you know, uh, please, you know, hit subscribe and, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed this content that we had today.